Hello, my name is Nick Spasic, and you're listening to From and Inspired by, a podcast about soundtracks and the people who make them. On this episode, we speak with Joe Escalante and Warren Fitzgerald of punk band The Vandals about the music of Glory Days and their appearances in the Penelope Spheris cult classics Suburbia and Dudes. Fast Diarrhea, the 1995 album from California punk band The Vandals, gets a snazzy 25th anniversary vinyl repress this week from Kraft Recordings. To celebrate, we spoke with both the band's guitarist, Warren Fitzgerald, as well as bassist Joe Escalante about the music of Glory Days and their appearances in the Penelope Spheris cult classics Suburbia and Dudes, as well as that new Live Fast Diarrhea repress. To be a cowboy. I'm going to be a cowboy. I'm born to be a cowboy. I want to be a cowboy. A cowboy! Okay, well, hey, guys, thanks so much for talking to me today. Uh, Nice to meet you, Joe. Good to meet you, Nick. And nice to meet you, Warren. Hi. Good day to you. Um, I am astonished at how many movies you all have had your music in. Um, Like... I, 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 you know, like, I think everybody knows, like, that you all were in, that had your, you know, you were in Suburbia, which is kind of like a legendary punk film. Like, how did you all meet Penelope Spheris? Oh, I can answer that one. She um, was uh, my wet nurse. <laughs> <laughs> she was Warren's wet nurse. <laughs> That's a true story. Um, yeah, I don't remember, but I'm told, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is a true story. 
Um, and then uh, um, I was the pool boy for Roger Corman. And uh, he noticed me out by the cabana. <laughs> and uh, Joe was the cabana lady in waiting. Yeah. Yeah. And then so one thing led to another. And uh, the uh, statute of limitations has, has, has run out on that. But I think he's. And Chateau is went private so they can do whatever they want now. <laughs> Wait, what's more private? Chateau Marmont. Oh, I don't oh the Chateau that. Marmont. Yeah, how did you know? See, you know. Yeah, they went private because, uh, you know, the, the riffraff is ruining the place. Totally. So anyway, um, uh, the, 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 the public story is this. Um, there was <laughs> the decline of the Western civilization was made, and that was Penelope's first movie, and we all went to... Go. I think anybody uh, in the punk scene went to go see the, uh, you know, the first public screening of it. Forgot it where it was. It, it was a big. It was a big. It was a big uh, to do somewhere. Where did you say it was, Warren? The Coliseum <laughs> for the decline. The Coliseum, uh, <laughs> the only place it could hold this kind of a crowd. It was a blood sport. Uh, red, red carpet. Yeah. Number, number of people, and then the. Um, uh, then she's coming out with another movie. Okay, and, and then we, she's making her next movie, and we all, I mean, what that did, the decline did for the Circle Jerks and Black Flag, um, and Fear was turned them into like national, you know, bands because um, there wasn't a lot of touring back then. Uh, people didn't, bands didn't go on tour. There just wasn't very few. The word so, had been invented. No, and then um, the. So that was like a big deal for them. And then this new movie came out and we were like, uh, wow, that would make all your dreams come true if you were in this movie. And then I found out it was a movie that was a scripted movie. Uh, a talkie. <laughs> uh, which was like, and a, and, and a Roger Corman movie, which, so then I kind of knew enough about Roger Corman to know that this would have some longevity and it would be part of some, you know, a collection of Roger Corman movies. It couldn't really, you know, fall into to obscurity. So uh, when what happened is Penelope Spheris picked three bands to play at this concert and the concert scenes at the movie. Well, she picked two bands. One was TSOL, um, which she loved. And I'd, I had met her uh, when she came to interview TSOL, when TSOL was just, you know, becoming known. And, and I think it was like Interview Magazine or Ellie Weekly or someone, you know, hired her to come and interview the band. So I sat in on the interview and uh, did not get along with her at all. Um, uh, well, yeah, they, they, everyone has to leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, um, uh, but then, then she liked Di the band Di. She loved Di. She liked Richard hung himself. So I think she was a little bit like at that time. The Orange County punk scene was was the happening punk scene. So the first movie that she made was, you know, all these LA people from the, you know, that used to be part of the LA art scene. And then they end up in punk bands. And that was interesting. And then she focused on Orange County. So she gets TSOL and DI. And then um, that was it. And then she said the cast could vote on the third band. <laughs> and and oh, so, so the democracy. Yeah. Yes. So the cast voted and the cast were made up of just punks. She just collected on the streets. You know, they weren't um, actors. So they all the right to vote. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah. And then so the so we were um it was like the, the, the time when we were rising uh in the punk scene and we were um like the we were voted to be the third band. You're so, yeah. That's so embarrassing. 
yeah. So, so did, we were not chosen by Penelope Spheris, and uh, uh, Roger Corman probably had um, very little to do with it. It was it was the he's known as a ballot stuffer. <laughs> <laughs> so that so that's a story. Well, I guess it must have gone well enough because I mean, then you're in her next movie at the well, very let beginning. You, <laughs> let me tell you how wrong you are, Nick. <laughs> um, we were. Oh, by the okay, so Di plays uh, when we're um, we're shooting the thing in Hollywood, um, and then uh, the best part about it, it was the same day as my five year reunion uh, from my high school at Los Alamitos High School in Orange County, and uh, I did not have the money to even go to that reunion, and I'm like, why do they have a five year reunion? Um, so yeah, I was so able to say, well, I a reunion. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so I, I but you know, it was it's it's it was early enough to where you really still kind of you know see these people all the time in the neighborhood so i'm like what? and you haven't even got your dentist license you know yeah it's, it's amazing yeah so i was like 50 65 dollars so i got to tell everybody look i can't go i'm shooting a movie in hollywood <laughs> and then that was that bought me five more years so i can make some money to go to the next one um but uh so we shot this stuff di plays and then they they weren't very well known at the time you know and so this is hollywood kids uh, that are extras and DI is not that well known, but it goes pretty well. Then TSOL starts playing and they were very well known. They were huge, but they were in there. What I think Warren would agree was their uh, Ethel Merman stage. <laughs> There's beneath, beneath the shadows, right? Okay. Yeah. This is beneath the shadows time, which I actually big fan of that record. I'm, I'm, I, I was, I was go, coming in zagging while everyone's zigging and punk, uh, you know, naturally as it should be. Oh yeah, you yeah. Know. True. Their unpopularity was was very held dear to me at that point. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, to me, it was just like it was. It was a. Uh, it was a betrayal of the highest order. Um, but they. It's like every rehearsal with us. <laughs> yeah. So so Jack Grisham is doing his Ethel Merman songs, and um, you know it's like wash away, you know all this stuff, and the crowd is just like, wow, is this what punk rock has, has become? Um, uh, I want my money back for my mohawk. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so it was, you know, it wasn't. No one was booing them. Everyone's letting him, giving them their artistic space, you know. But um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't what everyone came there to, to do. They came there to get crazy. So then we played third, and we we were a band that was uh, pretty well known, and we were playing our normal crazy ass punk songs, and so we played them. And the place, you know, kind of went nuts because there was a lot of pent up energy, and the and and then the crowd went so, uh, you know, when I say crazy, you know, it's just them, you know, a constant stream of stage dives that were destroying, a, uh, you know, expensive Hollywood equipment. Um, so uh, we played a couple songs, and then Penelope Spheris stopped it and just said she gave a couple warnings. She said, "All right, that's it. That's the end. The Vandals are not in the movie." Um, and, uh, you know, she wasn't happy at our uh, singer who was not who was not, you know, a team player on the production side. He was encouraging, you know, damage, um, which was a normal punk thing to do. So it, to me, it was a normal show where where um, we had many opportunities and uh, the degenerates uh, in the group were um, uh, uh, making sure those opportunities didn't amount to anything. So we thought we were not even in the movie. And then the movie came out and they had edited a uh, version of Pat Brown together and, and put us back in the movie. 
And Penelope Spears, it, to me, it didn't seem like, like we're friends now, but it seemed like she just did not like us at all. She didn't like me from the TSOO interview. Um, uh, so it was a little sad. Um, and then the movie came out and it, and it turned out great. It did everything that for us that I thought it would do. It turned us into a band that could go on a national tour. And then, uh, then, then another movie comes out and I get a call from somebody that say, Hey, you want to, uh, they want you in the next Penelope Spiris movie. This is not a Roger Corman film. This is some other studio. And then at that time I learned enough to say, all right, send me the script. Even though I was going to say yes on the spot, but I heard you should ask for a script. So, so the script arrived at that time. I'm a substitute teacher at, at Long Beach Poly. It's a prescription. Yeah. And, um, the script arrived and then uh, uh, I read it and we were written into the script. It, it said that the two lead characters go see the Vandals in a New York club. And then they, they listen to the song Urban Struggle and they are inspired by that song to uh, move out West. One becomes a uh, cowboy, one becomes an Indian. Um, so we really have <laughs> been written in by the, the Randall Johnson, the script writer. So you know, before the cat came out or all those other script writing books that the first rule is don't include specific people's songs or the names. Oh, totally. Yeah. What a, what a, yeah. What a mistake. No, we know why. And I, I looked at it and go, this movie can't even be made without us. We're propelling <laughs> the whole uh, uh, action uh, uh, in the, in the first act we're in. And so I, um, at that point, and then I think at that point we had a manager, Jim Garno. So I told him what I knew uh, about this script and my position on it. And he was able to, um, to make a good deal for us. And I, and I, I was like, well, I don't think this woman wants us in the movie, but we're in the movie. So, um, uh, just, and so he made a really good deal for us and we went and shot the movie and, um, uh, there was no way to cut us out of the movie. And so that's how we ended up in the second movie. Now at this point we're in two movies. I think I'm going to be rich and famous for the rest of my life. That's what, uh, that kind of luck will do to you because it's not a. Yes, not no, it's 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 a. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, the next movie was not a success. What are you talking about? I'll be <laughs> the was judge that the of that. Or that was the that was uh, what happened. Phantom what do you mean, of, Phantom? Are of you the talking mall? about two? No, not I'm talking about Phantom of the Mall. <laughs> oh, Phantom of the Mall. Let me tell oh, you I something. Let me tell you how wrong you are. Um, Phantom of the Mall. No, was the uh, vehicle that propelled Polly Shore to his uh, stellar career. That is true. Um, and if, and if it did nothing but that, I would say we could still call it a success. And, and um, so it's 11 times more watchable than Phantom at the, uh, uh, of the opera. Oh yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Warren. Thank you. Um, so that movie was a, uh, that was a real movie. Like these other two are, um, well, I know, I guess, you know, suburbia's, uh, you know, uh, 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 hobbled together Roger Corman film. Um, and then dudes is, a uh, just is, I think is, 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 is hard, definitely hard to watch. Phantom, I, of think, the, but I, I don't think, think any of them made any money. Written, yeah. Youth culture being written by people not involved in it for yeah. an audience that doesn't really exist or something. It's amazing. Yes. Very, very well put. And then, but then here's what the Phantom of the mall was, was a horror film. So horror films, you know, they just get made all the time and people find a way to make money out of them. And yeah. what, that one was a bit of nepotism. My, and um, found footage, by the way, found footage film. Found footage. 
Morgan Fairchild. Oh my God! Yeah, up in the comedy. It was a found footage Polly Shore Morgan Fairchild film. Yes, and, yes. And for and also, guess what? We're now we're in a movie with Morgan Fairchild. That we or we're like you know we're doing the um, the music. The um, the the it's it's a little bit of nepotism because my 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 brother in law was the producer of the film. Uh, not my brother in law. Sorry, my stepbrother, uh, Butch Freeze. And oh. the Freeze Entertainment. This is my stepbrothers. They all work there. And they they said, hey, our stepbrother uh, is in a band. Let's throw him a bone and uh, let him and get a song from him for this movie we're doing. And it was a, it was kind of an act of a charity. And then and but, <laughs> but, but we took it seriously. And I think Quackenbush and I wrote this song. I read the script. Once again, send me the script, please. I read it. And then I, I wrote... Um, with Dave, a song that was about the movie. And it was, um, and I don't know if that's what they were expecting, but I was writing a theme song. It was know? a bit on the mask. <laughs> yeah, it was on the, it was right on the mask. Um, a bit. And then, uh, it's a title track officially then. Yeah. I like that. That was, that's a good way to weasel yourself into that with the weasel. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's, so, but anyway, it was so well received by the company that they, they thought it, they thought that the words were this movie's is something like this movie's, you know, kind of a, a joke. And then with this song, we're going to make it the end title theme. And it was supposed to be just a movie somewhere buried in, you know, and playing out of someone's radio source music or something. They go, we're going to make it the end title theme. And that way, if you hated this movie, uh, when, the, when this song comes up, it, it lets people know that we're in on the joke, too, with you. Yes, it's it's Pauly Shore's Birdemic and we're the uh, soundtrack to it. Yes. Oh, those are two things. Oh man, uh, <laughs> is that the cinephile kind of a, a gasm? Uh, that's that that is that is uh, just filmmaking for the sheer love of it. Uh, mm-hmm. it and, I, and that movie was that movie debuted in theaters. Uh, yeah, it opened uh, in malls. I remember it was playing at some movie palace downtown um, when they still had movie palaces downtown that were showing films. Um, before they turned it into Pentecostal uh, churches. Um, and now, uh, so it's playing. I, at that point, I'd given up uh, on on um, on any kind of a music career, and I'd gone to uh, law school. And so it was playing in a theater, and I'm in law school, and, and I'm sitting there going, you know, I don't know. I'm just like, where's my star? I, I, it's, a, it's a movie. It's in a theater. And then I would just be make a-hole jokes like, well, my nomination for best song uh, uh, for the Oscars has has really not uh, come to fruition. Um, I'm a little depressed. Uh, leave me be for a while. Yes, I'm changing my name uh, back from Dirk Diggler. <laughs> What's that guy? Uh, oh no, it was it was a like Chess Chess Rockwell. <laughs> I was thinking. Uh, What's that name when you when you when you take your name off of off of a movie? Oh, Alan Smithy. Oh, yeah. uh, the the, uh, no, the 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 fake name they give? Yeah, Alan yeah. Smith, right? Yeah, Alan Smithy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Alan Smithy. Alan Smithy. So yeah, I was I felt a little Alan Smithy at that time. I feel that way every day. <laughs> but but um, you know uh, yeah I mean I who knows what um, that movie you know did um, uh, at the box office probably nothing but it was uh, huge in Malaysia. But it has a, it has a, there's, they're doing a re-release of it in, um, in England, right before the pandemic, they were about to release this, um, uh, 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 no, they're still working on it. Some company over there, you know, that, that, uh, 
curates uh, kitsch. Yeah, kitsch and DVD releases or whatever. So I don't know. Pretty still another one. Like I think, and then I, I actually got some money for that. Um, so and 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 used it as the a European down, tour. I used it as a down payment for a house. Oh wow! So I think I think um, I think Warren was just just joining the band at that time. Did you play on that Warren? On that, the, uh, I played on it the week before you guys went to Europe. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. do one. Yeah. And then um, that's my only producing credit. I don't know if you remember me in the studio as a producer, Warren. Yes, Brett, and I remember Brett Gerowitz uh, engineering. Yeah, Brett Gerowitz engineering. This is why I think it's funny. Brett Gerowitz is the engineer. I'm the producer. And um, I didn't even, you know, call myself the producer, but I guess I put it all together and told someone what it should sound like. And um, and so I got a producer credit, which uh, is the one and only. And um and it probably should have been Brett that was given the producer credit, but he was just happy to have his studio rented uh, for a day. Yeah, it was a big song. break for him, actually. Yeah, it, was, it was a big break, big break. Uh, and then, because um, he had he had a, a cocaine bill that was, you know, <laughs> backing up into dangerous That was, was free, yeah, given away by the government. Yeah. So um, he, uh, you know, win-win for everybody. And then... Um, but still, I got some money. I bought, I bought a down payment. It was a down payment. I bought a house. And so still, it's just like, even though I tried to walk away from all this stuff, it's still like, you know, it's kind of calls you back. It's like, well, now you just did a movie sound, uh, a movie end title theme and you made you made um, a, a bunch of money. Uh, are you sure you want to give this up? It's like the devil. Yeah, it's like cocaine. Now you got Warren Fitzgerald is playing guitar. And now that changes everything. It's so like... Y- you then like do the entire like score for a for a, a like a punk rock movie. Yeah, Ben Affleck's uh, first starring role. Yes, and, um, and, I, and well, yeah, Warren I, Warren is the Warren is the sole composer. Well, actually, me and um uh uh uh, uh, uh shit, Dave from uh Barry Stanish. Oh yeah 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 yeah. He was and and was, which which eventually turned into it's about 10 years later when I'm watching Project Greenlight I go those are the fucking guys I like these people like it was it was it was funny so yeah yeah they ta- they called was, I guess yeah. they called us that was once they had the score that then they, for the source music cuz he wanted to like he was it, no effects was written in the script I believe originally yeah I think that he wanted his dream it was it was it was Rich Wilkes his dream was to have Fat Mike score the film and so, and then, um, and Fat Mike, and then the no effects to be in the movie and all that stuff. And then um, somehow, he, uh, yeah, we were just, we were just going to be in it. And then we, um, we took over and Warren, Warren was a school, was a composer. And I ended up as the music supervisor. Yes. I got uh, timed uh, VHS uh, cassettes to uh, do a score, uh, uh, and all that crap too. So yeah, I, I uh, that was my first time, uh, and understanding Simpty, if you're familiar with any of the yeah. so wow. But you, but you just said yes, though, right? I mean, when someone says, "Hey, score the film," you just no, say, "Yeah, I, I, I want." Yeah, Dave basically, Dave, the guy from Mary's Danish is hilarious because his career is similar to yours in the sense that it's funny actually. He probably, except he says it in the meeting. He goes, "Get the gig," to figure out how to do it later. So I got this composing gig, Warren. So um, I know you do that. So maybe we'll do like this thing. <laughs> and there's Chris Moore, what are the the composer, the producer guy? I mean, they yeah, Chris to Moore. And he ended up as the project uh, Greenlight guy. Exactly, and you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Goodwill Hunting. 
I mean, friggin', you know, Matt Damon's on screen in the movie, but they couldn't even uh, they couldn't even pay him extra scale, so he's it's like not credited. Uncredited. Yeah, and yeah. I, I I I I knew who. Um, I mean, I just looked up Ben Affleck in my. I was working at CBS as a as a, as a network TV executive at the time, uh, having you know just gone out of law school and I went into into TV because to me my whole interest is TV and movies, not music. So when this comes, when this opportunity comes, you know, we just kind of take over the whole thing. And I go, you know, it's like Warren can score this and I can be the music supervisor. They had a music supervisor named Leah Volick, who became a famous music supervisor. And I think they couldn't pay her or something. And um, or maybe the music she was getting was too expensive. So I said, I can I can fill this whole score up with like, you know, for like one hundred and fifty dollars a song. And um, and I did. And uh, and uh, it worked out. And then I go and I'll release the soundtrack on my label that I just started in my office here <laughs> because someone told us like someone people kept trying to get us to be on their um, I think remember that one meeting, Warren, where the guy says, I want you guys. I'm starting a record label and I'm starting it with a, uh, a compilation album. Will you be one of the songs in the compilation yes. album? Remember that guy? Mm-hmm. It was an English accent. Yes, nice this was, that was a that, that was a. La Habra dance record label, uh, like a, a car boom, cars go boom kind of no, music. No, it wasn't that guy. That guy was already had a label, but this guy was going to start. Well, he didn't even start one, but he's telling us about his big plans and he was telling us how lucrative record labels are. And Fat Mike kept telling me, "Oh my God, Joe, you got to start a record label. Uh, I'm making so much money. You really got to do it." And then I'm playing poker with him, and I can I can see the money. It's in my it's it's like stacked up right in front of me, in the form uh, of chips. Yeah, it's so I. Uh, I, I go, I told Warren, I go, wait, what do we, we should start a record label, all these people. And then this, why are we giving these songs away to these people? And then, then these glory days people come to us and I'm like, all right, this is our uh, first release. Um, actually, the, your sort of jelly beans was our first release, but this is all going simultaneously. All right. Now we have a compilation album and it's a movie soundtrack. Now here's what I didn't know, Nick. A lot of movies don't come out. <laughs> Even and you know, and that Ben Affleck guy, we we like we had high hopes for him, but it just didn't pan out either. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't he couldn't really get a distribution deal. So that moved, yeah. so the soundtrack comes out, um, which I think is a very good soundtrack, and um, and it comes out a year before the movie you know trickles into the in, into the public thing. And we didn't know. I didn't know that was a cautionary thing. Like, well, put a, don't put a lot of money into the soundtrack album because the movie might not come out. And, yes, uh, it was Project Red Light. Piles of movies that never came out, you know. <laughs> the Project Red Light. Uh, or, uh, Project Red Light. <laughs> well, but, like, at the very least, like, even though that movie didn't come out for, like, a good solid while after, like, everything was put together, you guys did have a pretty good, like, 1995. Because, like, that's when Live Fast Diarrhea came out. Like, then they use, like, a, like, like there are a shit ton of t-shirts and in this, that x-files a, episode it's this is when also like like not you know basically when punk rock you know between offspring and green day and then and i would even go back to saying uh, nirvana kind of pathing it a little before that going having a mainstream possibility which was unthinkable for the first 15 years we were involved in punk rock we're like you know it made yeah. no sense yeah 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 so we're we're uh yeah, we're a band with punk in the last in the title of our last album. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. And we're um, 
You can thank yeah. me for that, by the way. I really lobbied hard. Let's do a punk record because we're a punk band. <laughs> well, that 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 was true. I mean, that that fear of the punk planet was was I'm in law school and I'm saying, look, I'm done. But then Warren convinces uh, me that you know we can make a record that will be super fun, super punk, and um, and it's going to be worth doing. And, and we'll so, have to like it won't be so embarrassing that uh, if a DJ plays it, we walk in somewhere we have to leave immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and then we got um, what did I do? I went and um, we wanted to get someone. We wanted to get Mark Mothersbaugh to produce it, that Fear of Punk Planet. So I went to my brother knew him from the art world. So I went to an art show. I bought something from him, and when you buy something from from the artist, it, it, he's obliged to to talk to you. No matter how you punished you are. Yeah. So I talked to him, asked him if he'd produce our record, and he said, no, but Bob, too, Bob Casali is the guy who produces records like that, and that's who you should get. And I'll tell him. And then that worked out perfect. And then that's how we lured Josh Freeze in the band, because Josh Freeze's favorite band in the world was Devo. So we lure him in the band. I don't know if this is all. Uh, no, going this off is. Well, doesn't tell you that we, he'd been lured. Uh, but but uh, you know uh, but not with the amount of enthusiasm that he had for Dweezil at the moment. Oh yeah yeah true. <laughs> but like so y- you you end up like getting uh... someone from the United Kingdom is trying to call me. Uh, you think it's Mark Hoppus? <laughs> Mark Hoppus? <laughs> like, do I have another? Hey, can I can I just answer this and see who it is? Yeah, sure. Uh, spelling uh, gaps or anything like that. Uh, so, like, you you guys were like they, they use a song uh, in, in that X Files oh, oh, episode with Giovanni Ribisi. Okay, I, I was in the middle of the last one because there was complications. Um, yeah. and like it just ends up being like this really sort of uh like uh, like big deal I think to like everybody <laughs> I knew. <laughs> Well, that was interesting because that that's uh, uh, that was also the, the Chris Carter connection was also through Joe's brother who they, they were surfing buddies and it, you know he came up with the concept for the script Chris Carter did of of the, uh, a psychopathic vandals fan specifically written again and and, and that was right when the, uh, our Lift Cast Diarrhea record was coming out and so it was perfectly timed uh, we had a, the, that was the track that they liked and it was the title track for that record and. Uh, I remember our debut, our show of you know that record just coming out. Even Giovanna Rubisi came out in character. I think even before it even aired, or maybe just like the week after, like and introduced us. That's amazing. yeah. Wait, Chris, wait, I'll tell you one thing about that. Chris Carter says calls me and says he he he's um, he he needs a song that is going to play in a murderer's head because basically the the episode is about a murderer. He murders people. Right, yeah, it's the yeah the POV. And, and he was having trouble getting. Um, either he anticipated, I don't know how far he went, but he said, getting a band, a, a mainstream band to say, to agree, he goes like managers and labels, like, no, I don't want our bands. Um, yeah, we want to be the Columbine soundtrack. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, I don't want our song, like if you're the, the Pearl Jam guy, you're like um, or the manager or whatever, you're, you're saying, no, 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 we don't put our songs in murderers' heads. We're all about positivity and blah, blah, blah. Now, today, you have all these dark characters you know, um, uh, the, uh, like uh, uh, Breaking Bad or whatever. That would be normal. But back then, you wouldn't. That would be thought of as career uh, suicide to put your song in a murderer's head. 
And then when he called at me and asked me if we minded if our song was in a murderer's head, I'm like, are you kidding? Who cares? Uh, yes. I like the X-Files. I like you. And uh, let's do it. And that you know, that probably did more for us than, than any of these things put together. Well, then the art department made it basically an infomercial. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They couldn't believe we were signing off on all these releases for yep. our uh, album cover. That did not exist. Yeah, that, that was uh, plastered in his room. Every day. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, and then like that's the album that is getting reissued now for its 25th anniversary edition. Uh, uh, are like how weird is it to to have like like this sort of like direct <laughs> like this this you know uh, label that does like these deluxe reissues tackling the Vandals music. Yeah, I don't know a lot about them, about about the label, because they bought Nitro and they've been nothing but professional. And I like their name, Craft uh, Recordings. Is that what they call themselves? Yes. That's a much better name yeah. than Nitro, For uh, by the way. Like, yes. Uh, Craft Services would have been better, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I'm not that familiar with them because I'm out of touch. But um, I but, looked at their uh, website and I was like, oh, OK, wait, these are like these are people that actual like uh you know uh, music files yeah yeah and I, when they every they call me with an idea and i go yeah that's cool uh i like to be that guy that says yeah that's cool give it a try here's a t-shirt design uh why not you guys did it you 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 like it let's do that too thanks and, for celebrating uh, your diarrhea yeah and then they you know then then the the um they asked me what color it should be and i'm like you know brown splatter was just you, you said, check the Bristol stool chart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't thought about the Bristol stool chart in like, 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 uh, like weeks. I haven't stopped thinking about it since I ran across it like 1990. It's very, very useful. Like for. Oh, it's, it's, and you know, and it's, it actually came up on a science quiz uh, for what's the ideal, uh, Stool forms. They give, they give you a multiple choice on the radio, uh, on the podcast. Amazing. <laughs> oh man. Uh, do you guys have anything like that, like it, regarding the the record that you particularly remember that you want to share as we wrap up here? Because I think you probably have another <laughs> interview. Yeah, I, some English uh, guys bothering me. Wait, let me see. Uh, that record. Uh, 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 oh yeah, um, that was uh, the the diary of the fact that like that was that, that was actually that was a real coup. I think to go with it's a word that at, in our mid twenties we thought was hilarious still, and I can say uh, having lived an entire lifetime of that length again since it's somehow funnier to me somehow. So I think it was I think it was Josh that came up with that. Um, title. We were diarrhea, cha cha cha. I mean, we, the diarrhea was worked into pretty much every conversation. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and you, you just go with what you love. You know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, Warren, again, it was, this was, a, this was, the, the other record was like, hey, let's just make a punk record. Um, but then, you know what? There was a little drama with uh, record labels and the, on, on uh, Fear of a Punk Planet. Um, I think the. Triple um, X, yeah, no, it was firstly done on Enigma Records, and then Enigma went out of business. It was going out of business. They, but they said our last ditch effort is to pull money away from the Vandals record and not finish it. And so then we're going to leave a floater, and we're going to give you your record. 
and then put it into this band called the Zeros that had purple hair, not even the legitimate old school Zeros from the punk scene, a new band, Pretenders, named the Zeros with purple hair. And they put they, they painted the whiskey uh, purple for their uh, you know record release party, things like that. And they were putting all their money into that. And they were telling us, we don't have any money to finish your record. And I'm completely offended by that. And, and But there's nothing you can do if a, if a label pays for your record and, it, and they, they just can hang on to it. And then I got a call and they said from the studio where we recorded it and said, hey, I got your uh, masters are sitting here and someone's got to come and pick them up. And evidently <laughs> the person at Enigma that picked up masters was was uh, laid off. So I immediately hung up the phone and drove over there and picked them up and, and took them and, and uh, sold them to Triple X Records. Um, and that was OK. It was a little bit of drama. But then at this time. You know, it's like the scene from Boogie Night. If the guy was like, "Yeah, take him." Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was a boogie, very Boogie Night experience. This is and not then, a. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then I was like, you know, um, I don't know, kind of like have bad taste in my mouth about the music business. And then Warren once again convinces me and Dave, like we can just make a record ourselves. And um, and all I saw Green Day on MTV, and they're like a punk band. I know factually that because they opened for us or something, and. Uh, or they play up in, you know, one of the dumps that we play in San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> so at that point, I'm just like, and then I have a ton of money at that time because I'm working as a network executive. And I'm like, you know, these people that are paying for our records in the punk scene. Like, how how stupid is that? Let's just pay. I have a big paycheck and a tiny apartment. I'll just pay for Live Fast Diarrhea. I paid for uh, all of it. And then, and, um, uh, and then we... Um, yeah, Around Paramount, Paramount Studios is it Paramount? We finished it at Paramount. It, it was actually it was it was it was that was uh, it was tracked at Paramount, and that's that was where I uh, we didn't have Bob Casali, uh, uh, but yeah. I, I, I took the producer uh, reins at that. Point. Yeah, that's what we're like. We, why do we need a producer? Why do we need a record label? Let's just make a record. We don't care about anything. So that's the true. The Live Fast Diarrhea is like the the band's first album in many ways because it was like a band being punk. You know, our, our roots were like, we got signed to Epitaph, you know, after being a band for just weeks, you know, pretty much, or months. Um, and so we never had to worry about any of that. Now we're in the live fast diarrhea age, and we're actually being more punk than we were, you know, at the very beginning, because we're just making our own records, producing, uh, using a guy in the, you know, Warren in the band to produce the record. And um, to, for to the, art, the artwork was intentionally done to look unfinished. Yeah. And then... Um, and then we didn't need a record label. And then uh, then Dexter Holland was was uh, the offspring was managed by Jim Garno, our other our, our previous manager, who we were still friends with. And uh, the the offspring were uh, having success wearing vandal shirts and videos and things like that. And so it was a natural um, and I stayed in touch with the offspring. Uh, um, they, they came up right when they were kind of like really broke and with San Diego on stage and played a, a pat around with us. Yeah, and we, they opened for us the whiskey, um, uh, and things Bye, like that. And I was just always impressed with how they they were doing punk rock when it really had nothing to offer anybody. Yes, no, that was a dead end, guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> a dead end genre, and they were all in. Um, so I was I, I liked them, and then it worked out at, at Nitro, and then uh, we just sold the record to them and uh had four good records with them so i, I, go. uh, I don't think there's anything else i'm gonna tell you my favorite song in that record okay what's your favorite song is um looking at the track list to make sure i got the right record it is pat brown <laughs> pat brown no 
I think uh, my favorite song on that record is. I, I have a few favorites for different reasons. Take yeah. it back. Nice. Oh yeah, that was that, that was that was the that was the particularly punk num- uh, number uh, on the album that was done in a genre that we knew for a fact would never ever ever be popular as as its inclusion of being track number two in the sequence. Track two is very important in sequence because at that point you they're going to listen to it no matter what. Yeah, right, right. You have force it on them. Yeah, it's like a new uh, like a reintro or past the uh, you know whatever the. Uh, uh, Take it over- back. Warren, is that, is that is that like uh, Dave write the lyrics on that one? Or Dave wrote the whole thing. Chris Lagerborg too. That was that was one of their four uh, four track demos sitting around in Dave's uh, uh, you know duck house in his mom's uh, backyard. Yeah, to me it's yeah, best song was, best song on the record. Yeah, and it's about a chubby guy that wrote a song about food, and then was was mad that uh, he didn't like it anymore and wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> oh man, this has been amazing. Well, thank you, Nick. This has been so much fun. Thank you, guys. I'm going to be decent and let you talk to this British guy who is messaging you so he okay. doesn't. <laughs> All uh, right. But uh, again, thanks so much. Uh, I like This was as much fun as I thought it would be. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let us know if you want us on back on your show. That's actually nothing, the best uh, compliment you could ever give. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, uh, happy to happy to join your uh, podcast and uh, anytime. And thanks for yeah, doing what you do. I like your um uh, uh you know your uh your angle here. Like, you know you're well, celebrating things that um. Uh, oh. us. <laughs> and then um wait before we leave, let's plug something. Plug it. Yes, we have number two diarrhea. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, we well, we definitely want to plug the uh, re-release of Live Fast Diarrhea with the with the diarrhea vinyl, the brown splatter vinyl. But, Why um, don't we not call it part two or number two? Oh, number two. Yeah, number two. Well, that you know, that's a that's a whole new record you're gonna have. To that's low hanging diarrhea. Uh, <laughs> so, I think the, the the point of all this movie stuff, uh, the point I was going to make earlier is, I'm running around trying to be in the television and film business, but I have this band that won't go away, and then um, when Warren gets in the band, there's new life, you know, all that kind of stuff. Josh is in the band, new life, and then you just can't ignore it, and it's so much fun. Uh, everybody in the band is just so much better than 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 the the, the the degenerates that were floating in and out of it uh, in the in the early part of the band. Um, but then um, and then uh, eventually I kind of give up on my film and television dreams and start a record label. But then, as you can see, I'm still I started with a movie soundtrack, still trying. I'm still you know trying, even though I'm working at a network, but I'm in the business end. And then um, it's long a story short. This is just the um, task of of of, uh, yeah. of surrounded by Ben Affleck's and we're uh, friggin' uh, we're uh, French stewards. <laughs> 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 oh, so um, yeah, and so long story short, now I'm uh, I'm actually work full time as a showrunner in in television, and um, and the only thing that could save me from from this sophistian uh, how do you say it again, Warren? Sophistian, yes. Yeah, that task of rolling this big thing up the hill and having it just come back at me is um, the pandemic. So the pandemic has killed the music business so I can finally concentrate on my um, on my television stuff. So I got a show called Monsters Across America coming out um, in October and you'll hear about it on our... Um... I, I've, I've spent my time uh, post... Uh, I've focused on art and particularly on dioramas because they sound like diarrhea. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, Warren's... Warren's visual arts are um, are, are kind of hit, like my uh, film and TV stuff. It's just 
I would say they're kind of like um, uh, three-dimensional or they're like models for a world-building scenario uh, on the scale of C.S. Lewis or um, uh, um, H.P. Lovecraftian kind of uh, thing with more sex. Where do we find where do we find those uh, those things, Warren? They're currently residing in my head and uh, uh, on my Instagram. Oh, yeah. Warren's Instagram. Waff. Waff. What's it called? Waff. Waff here. That is my initials. And I'm there. Waff here. Yeah. Yeah. Check that out. All, All right. right. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks to Warren and Joe for talking with me. You can find the band's website at vandals.com. They're on Twitter and Facebook at The Vandals and on Instagram at Vandals Official. The Lifast Diarrhea Repress is out this Friday, August 15th from Craft Recordings and can be found at craftrecordings.com. You can find links to purchase all of the music you heard on the show in the show notes for this episode, which are at fromaninspiredby.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at From Inspired Pod and can be found on Instagram at From an Inspired By. You can subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Click those follow and subscribe buttons, please. Also, please hit up the website and click on the Aid and Assistance button to help pay for web hosting and long distance fees. And remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Due to a whole lot of great interviews that have some very timely content, we will be going weekly for the month of September and most of August as well. We'll be back next week talking with Trolls Plamert, the man otherwise known as the Space Quest historian, about his latest Curates campaign. Until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>